is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For part one with Mike Isaacson, we talk about learning through failure. We discuss the Muni, moving forward, and honesty. So I hope you enjoy part one with Mike Isaacson. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on Zoom is Mike Isaacson. Mike, thank you for joining me. Great to be here. There's so much you've done to date. <laughs> and we were talking about this a little bit before we record. Um, naturally, we're going to touch on the Muni and uh, I'm sure a bunch of projects that you have worked on here in, the, in New York City. Before we get to any of that, I want to take it back to the beginning of time for you. What were your entertainment dreams growing up? Uh, wow. Um, I would say that um, <clears throat> uh, putting it sort of making the journey very simple. Uh, my family moved or around a lot when I was growing up. Um, and <clears throat> so sort of metaphorical home base for me were sort of two general areas. Uh, journalism and newspapers were sort of a big thing in my family and uh, grew up reading that. And then I spent a lot of time in libraries and in libraries is where I really discovered the Broadway musical and really began to not only love the form and learn its history, but also sort of where I began to, you know, read variety and figure out the structure of the business and kind of this world that was out there somewhere. And I was just fascinated by it, mostly on kind of a hobby level. Um, and just the world I grew up in, no one ever said, oh, you could do this. Like, it just was never a thing. It was sort of like, you know, I, I was just, it was a hobby. I was really, really interested in it. So I, I, I never, uh, I never had those dreams because I didn't think, I didn't even understand how it would be possible. It was much later in life as certain threads came together where uh, somebody said to me and I was like, oh, huh. And it did become possible. So, you know, I did not, I can't say that I had a big dream for my life. Um, I knew the kind of person I wanted to be. And more than anything, I knew the kind of people I wanted to be around. When you moved around a lot, you experience a lot of different cultures, a lot of different um, relative things that matter, and you you learn a lot. You begin to see things from a pretty big sociological perspective. And um, I just knew the kind of people that I wanted to have in my life. And that was sort of more, and then where were they? And what were they doing? That was kind of, if I had a goal, it was more that. And who were they? Who, what, what was that person that you wanted to be around? Who were those people? Um, I wanted to be people who were impossibly bright, funny, uh, knew what was going on, um, were searching, were not just accepting the status quo. Um, and we're interested in making things happen. Mm. Those were the kind of people I gravitated to, which is a lot of people in the theater. You know, it's kind of the culture, particularly the funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, so it, that those were 
the the people where I thought, well, where are they? Hmm. What did your parents teach you about work ethic? Um, I would say that um, wow, what a question. There was definitely an expectation that we needed to work hard. There was not, you know, I, I grew up at one point in a city where I saw a lot of kids being really, really pushed by their parents. I don't mean that in a negative sense. It sort of was around me and I didn't, that, that wasn't what I grew up with. Um, so I would say uh, they, they, I mean, I would say, uh, honestly, they were not interested in most of the things I was. They, for them and their backgrounds and their lives, a life of stability was the most important thing. Like to this day, they're still disappointed I didn't go to law school. <laughs> I say jokingly, but honestly, right. you know, so yeah. they didn't understand what I was sort of interested in and seemed to be heading for. And they kept thinking someday it was going to stop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. And how have, how have you gotten more comfortable? I mean, I imagine these days, or I like to imagine these days for you that it's more stable than unstable, but how have you gotten comfortable with the uncertainty of the future? I mean, anytime you take on a new project, you know, I, I think if as a life in the theater, um, if life, if you consider yourself, um, artistic in any way, and I also just think as a 57 year old, you have to understand the unknown is a part of it. And anything where you have the answer already, it's, it's a cliche, but it's probably not worth seeking or you're sort of there. Mm. Um, I think right now for everybody, it's harder because for a variety of things, it feels more intense of the unknown, but I honestly don't think it's any different than any other time in history. Mm. Um, but I just think you, it is a way of traveling. And I also think the, whatever part of me is the artist, um, I don't think artists are ever settled or happy. And you have to know that as you travel, it's just part of being who you are, no matter what you've accomplished, it's okay, what's next or what if, or perhaps, or could it be better, different? Uh, what am I missing? I ask that question a lot. What am I missing? You know, our visions as, as people are <clears throat> invariably limited. And so what am I not seeing? And um, those are the, those are the sort of questions that of the unknown that regularly haunt me. They're just a part of being. Yeah. And when you're asking that question, what am I missing? Is there, do you generally, I mean, I know it's with different projects, so the answer is going to be different, but do you generally find a similar answer with that question? Well, on a show by show basis, it's always different Yeah, because you're working with uh, a different team and everybody's bringing very specific experiences and points of view to the table. So that's never the same. 
I would say wearing the Muni hat, which is an institution and you have, you know, hopefully a sense of regularity. Right. The questions are more within that mission and that goal and that structure. Are we, what am I missing that could make it better? That would make it easier for people, more exciting, more surprising. Like you're looking within a box. You're constantly looking within the same box. Sure. When you're creating a new show, you're sort of trying to understand what is the box. Boy, these are bad metaphors. You're just going to want to delete all of this. No, but that's oh. that's the only way I can explain the difference. Yeah, no, I know that that does that does make sense to me. I'm curious if there's a particular project that has taught you the most about yourself or a significant amount. Oh, I, I, you know, I say this, uh, you know, success, however you see it or define it, is lovely and great, and so beautiful for everybody involved. I'm not sure how much you learn. It's with failure. That's where you learn. That's where you learn who you are. That's where you learn um, how to be better, how to renew, how to move forward. Um, and so I would say all my lessons are so much more from things that did not work out or were less than successful, although every one of those events, every one of those productions, every one of those people, I can trace certain things that came from that, that actually grew into either wonderful relationships, wonderful opportunities or other, other things. So um, it's, you know, you have to look at it long-term. I mean, the classic example I can do is, I point out to is I, I love to do this with them. Um, you know, the interns who come to the meeting when we have conversations and I'll mention the uh, 1997 production of Your Good Man, Charlie Brown, which everyone fawns over and they love that CD. And it was Kristen Chenowitz, Tony and Roger Bart and Michael Mayer and Jerry Mitchell and all the people just, you know, it's revered. And I'm like, yeah, it ran six weeks. And people are like, what? It's like, yeah, it was a total financial failure, eight weeks, whatever it was. Right. But that experience and that lesson for me as a professional really shaped a lot of the future, not only the relationships that were supported and um, gained in that, but also um, just just so much uh, what to look out for, you know, from a business sense, looking back there, you know, just all, all, all kinds of things. Um, you know, so it's, it's a, it's a lot of that. Those are the lessons. I mean, the successes, I would say, um, you know, particularly with Thoroughly Modern Millie, history re has rewritten itself and it's so beloved and in mm. this incredible show. But if you go back in its day, you know, Broadway's <laughs> point of view is, who is this flat? Who's Sutton Foster? Right. Who who are Mike Isaacson and Kristen Kasky? Who Rob Ashford? Who's that? Like if you look at that show, Janine Tesori, who's that? Didn't she have some obscure off-Broadway musical? If you look at that show now, in its day, it was you know, and the flapper you came in on was sort of Broadway's initial attitude, hmm. and then it it grew into a hit because of the audience and the, and the love and the joy and everything it was generating in the theater and, and a life. And then, 
you know, things went on in time. Um, so, you know, there's a difference between talking about them now and living them then. And, mm. you know, the, what I think what you have to accept as a life in the theater is, um, you know, no, what, no matter what, you got to get out of bed in the morning and, and, and move forward and move on. And that's, that takes a certain type of person. It takes a certain tensile strength. It's not for everybody, mm. you know, um, you know, Ben Brantley wrote a review for Millie that basically said, shut this thing down, hmm. you know? And when I tell students now, they're like, what? But we believe in the show. We knew what was going on and it went on to win six Tonys. Uh, yeah, but we all had to get out of bed and get the work done. Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting because we did a, speaking of Millie, I think it's all a blur now with COVID, but I want to say in 2019 or 2018, we did the um, reunion night for the Actors Fund at the, I guess it was the Minskoff? Was it the Minskoff? One night only, original Broadway cast. Sutton didn't, it, literally that woman, I don't know how it happened. It didn't look like she'd aged a day since 2002. And it was just the most joyous, beautiful, wonderful evening. And what I was most proud of is when we were all together backstage when you when we all reconnected everybody everybody had gone on to interesting good rich lives whatever they were doing and they were all great people mm. and i mean they were just great human beings and that was the essential thing that we had that bonded us to get us through that experience i mean that because it was hard and but I'm so proud of that. And we all looked at each other and, you know, people had gone on to make other contributions in the theater. People, other people had like great marriages and families and, you know, had gone, you know, like they, the, the, what comes from these things in time is just extraordinary. And, uh, yeah, I don't know how I got on that, but. Well, you know, and you might've just answered my next question, but I, I am curious if there's a favorite failure or a parent failure that set you up for success? I mean, it was definitely Charlie Brown. Yeah. That, I mean, when not knowing, I mean, look at, we've seen this since then. If you're selling what's essentially, now this is just the pure producer talking. Mm. If you're selling what is essentially a family title, which the original, your good man, Charlie Brown actually wasn't, it was sort of this hip indie thing that hit the boomers right at the time. And you looked at that thing and we assumed that some of that energy would uh, still be there, particularly with everything Michael did with it and, and what the point of view was. It wasn't, it was treated in the market of, if, you, if you're gonna see this, you have to take kids. So that was a really interesting lesson to learn. And if you're going to do something that's where you need kids to buy tickets. And what I mean by that is they need to look at something and go, I need to see that, mm. which is, I'm sure the world, all my, you know, friends and colleagues at Disney live in every day, what they have with their productions, which is the incredibly well-earned gift is Disney presents. And when you put those words, people just trust it. Mm -hmm. And there's a really important part of American cultural history. They connect to it and they want to see it and they're interested and it's incredible. If you don't have that, I should have gone to a toy store and looked around and I would have noticed 
there's just not that much peanut stuff around. It wasn't in the center of the conversation anymore. Mm. It was moving into sort of boomer nostalgia. Mm. Interesting, uh, Charles Schultz died a few years after we did the production. There was sort of this renaissance and it sort of, and it remains huge actually in, um, in the Far East. I mean, Snoopy's remains a major character in Japan, I, I digress. But those are sort of the things. But the most important thing I learned was I had an investor who had written a really big check for this thing and was, was lovely along the way and, and all of that. And when I called him to tell him we were closing, which was, you know, so heartbreaking, mm. um, you know, just understanding that. Um, and he listened and explained why and blah, blah, blah. And he said, well, that's the right decision. And there was a pause and he said, okay, what's next? And I couldn't believe that came out of his mouth. And I was like, well, he was like, no, this is what it is. What's next? What's your next idea? What do you believe in? You know, and, and I think as a producer in the commercial environment, you you understand you, you have to be really proud of the work as it is on the stage because how it's received and how it fits into the commercial environment of Broadway is really hard. It's impossible to predict, which is a ridiculously cliched understatement, but it is. Yeah. So if you can't stand with the work, then it's devastating. Yeah. Um, but you know, I was really proud of that production of Charlie Brown. It was hilarious and Christian was extraordinary, right? I mean, the whole thing, Alana, everybody was, you know, it was just delightful fun. And, you know, we got um, dismissed by whoever the first string critic was at the Times. Right. I can't remember at the time who it was, but this was the era where they were still doing a separate Sunday critic. Mm. And it was Vincent Camby and he wrote the most glowing review. I mean, utter delight, pure joy, walk don't run but by that point the die was cast you've been listening to entertainment x the podcast you can follow entertainment x on instagram at underscore entertainment x underscore if you haven't yet go to apple podcasts and subscribe rate and review this podcast join clay next week for another curiosity conversation on entertainment x thank you for listening 